This episode is brought to you by Snapple. Want to know another Snapple fact? The first hot air balloon passengers were a sheep, a duck, and a rooster. Ridiculous. Check out Snapple.com to find ridiculously flavored Snapple near you. I'm Brian Tetta, executive producer of The View. It's Wednesday and I'm here with Joy Behar. This is Behind the Table. All right, it is Wednesday, which means it's a joy day, my favorite days of the week. How are you, Joy? Don't you know that's a lie? You say that every day. It's true. You bring a lot to the table. It's exciting to have you here. People want to hear what you have to say. But if any of the other girls hear you say that, they're going to get mad at me. The only one who actually listens back is Anna. (laughs) The rest of them don't listen. Uh, yeah. yeah, so it'll be fine. Well, she has time on the plane. Love I don't it. think I've ever watched myself. No. Ever. I know you spend a lot of time uh, wondering how you did and beating yourself up over how you were on the podcast every day. It's a whole <laughs> yeah. thing for you. Yeah, I'm right. All right. So today we started the show with a kind of mashup of pop culture and politics. We've been yeah. talking about Taylor a lot. Right. Too much for some, probably. But um, do you like when we start the show this way? I, I mean, do. Yeah. It's I liked it different. a lot. I think that pop culture and politics... Well, you see that this is the quintessential example of it with Taylor Swift and Trump and the guys who are turning on her Mm -hmm. and this uh, masculinity uh, disaster that's going on right now. It's funny because, you know, we talk every morning about what we should start the show with. And it's always kind of a frustrating thing. But I feel like your perception of what we should start with changes every day, depending on what's going on in the world and what you've been watching. And But sometimes I feel like you think, you know, it's to meet the press if we talk about something. But then sometimes or it's too repetitive. But then there are certain things you'll be watching and you say, like, we need to discuss this. We need to get into it. And this was it. This was it. This was it. Because I saw this guy talking about how all these men in this. Colin Coward. Yeah. 50 percent of the men in this world, in this country, I guess, are not getting any sex. For one thing, they're not intimate with women or men. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I don't know where the gay crowd fits into this statistic, but it's it was mostly about straight guys, I think, and how they can't seem to have a relationship with a woman. Yeah. With a fully functioning woman. The other side is getting laid like crazy, though. <laughs> well, it's physical, but it's also, I think it was also emotional and, and that part of connecting with people, too. Well, it's the, any kind of intimate yeah, relationship, Yeah, I mean, I we, we had statistics today that were so interesting, you know. 41% of college enrollments are now the number for men. And it used to be 60% in 1970 when when my, when my I was, a child, you know, a college girl. Right. Well, I was out of college by then, but, and, you know... <laughs> I don't know what happened. Well, I thought you were, you showed great compassion for men today. You were you were. I do feel yeah. for them. I feel. Listen, I married two men, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> You're a man. I am. <laughs> and um, you know, I see the pain that men have. I mean, it's sad, really. You guys, you you have to learn to make friends. First of all, you got to have friends. The feelings are so strong. Yeah. I mean, that is a basis of uh, being an adult, having friends. Do you find, I mean, I think I've had this conversation. I I have many male friends. Their friendships have had for a very long time. Uh I don't necessarily make new male friends often or easily. Do you find that women are better at that, older in their lives, making new friends? I'm very good at it. I don't know about all women. I'm good at it. I have friends who are younger than me. Mm -hmm. I like that because I'll, you know, I'll be dead and or I'll be really old and I'll have them. That's why I married a younger guy also. Right. That's smart. I, I have lots of. Uh, I mean, I wasn't deliberately doing that. Sure, but it's it just so what happens. happened. I have, I have acquaintances. I have people. I, if I see it, and I'll get a drink with them, and everything's fine. But I, as far as like really 
meaningful friendships. They're mostly people that okay, came into see, my life earlier. Yes, there's the tricks. Like I think that the um, emails, my I love email and mm-hmm. I love messaging. The rest of it I could live without. All the social media where people say mean things about everybody sure. is obnoxious. But the way to keep friendships alive is to be in touch with them through email and messaging. I send funny pictures. Yeah. I send. Mm-hmm. I ask people how they're feeling if they say me that. You can easily do that, and it's easy. It's not like you have to visit them with a bunch of uh, bowls of chicken soup. You you can just ask people how are you. I don't think I'm alone in this, but my wife will also will often will be on opposite sides of the couch and just be sending each other memes and not talking to each all. other. Yes, just making each other laugh with different. That's things. funny. And, That's a way yeah, of communicating. Better than speaking. Um, all right. So <laughs> <laughs> now you weren't on the show Monday. Um, but I did want to get your reaction to the Eugene Carroll verdict. Do you think that $83.3 million in damages will be a deterrent for the former president or for others in the future? You know what? It's a start. Mm-hmm. They're going to get him for a lot more in New York later on. Right. Um, you know, they bankrupted the Ku Klux Klan uh, by financially bankrupted them, and that's why you don't see them with the hoods anymore. Now they, they don't even the hoods anymore. Yeah. You know, Donald Trump has allowed all of this hatred to, to show its head without a hood. Mm-hmm. But that was one way to uh, get rid of things, right. you know, bankrupt yeah. them. And, and he, he has money. No, I, for sure. And he hasn't really said anything about her since it happened. So in the short term, it, at know, least, I, it's working. I think that it must be driving him nuts. Mm-hmm. He opens his <laughs> mouth again, and he's going to get hit with another $80 million. I mean, no, these people are not playing, okay, Donald? Yeah. You're not in the playpen now with your uh, with your lackeys. You're talking about people who who are following the law. Yeah, it's going to be uh, it's going to be interesting. I'm curious to see if he can uh, stop himself. Yeah. Yeah. If anything, I mean, certainly money bothers him a lot. Sure. I always say that the day that he turned on Rosie O'Donnell, Mm -hmm. it wasn't because she was making fun of his hair. Everybody did that. It was because she said he was broke. It bothers him. It gets it right in the kishkas. That's his trigger. Mm -hmm. All right. Um, We were speaking of politics and and political jokes. We were talking about Jay Leno uh, yesterday. He was saying that he stays away from making political jokes these days. Now, you don't shy away from doing political jokes on the show. It's kind of your bread and butter. But you also stop doing stand-up. Do you you think that Trump has changed what comedians are allowed to joke about? No, he hasn't changed it. You know, Mm -hmm. I stopped doing stand-up. I remember now, if I look back on it, because I stopped. I I was on a roll when Bush was in office. Right. Because he was kind of like not the brightest bulb. George W. <laughs> and I was all over him. I was very much against the Iraq war, you know. Um, you know, somebody uh, terrorizes you. You don't kill all their children, which is what he did in Iraq, in my opinion. You know, and he went to the wrong place also. It was just a horrible time. So I didn't like him. But I also, there were quotes of his where he sounded so ridiculous, you know. On the Letterman show, there used to be a daily segment called Great Moments in Presidential yeah. Speeches. And they would marry, <laughs> you know, four score and seven years ago. And, you know. Uh, and then one of his. And then one of his great. at the end of it. And it was just a, uh, It was terrific. It was one of my favorite things. <laughs> but I was going to say yeah. that I stopped doing stand-up a lot when Obama came in. Mm-hmm. Because I liked the political stuff and I was getting into it. I started with Clinton. And um, and I used to talk about the view also, but Obama didn't do anything wrong. You know, it was hard to criticize him. I, I couldn't well, find so anything to make fun of him about. The response from the right was always that they would, you know, that they they wouldn't make fun of. They only make fun of Republicans, and they wouldn't dare well, to make fun of because he was ridiculous. George W. Bush was ridiculous, right. and there were certainly plenty of jokes on Saturday Night Live and elsewhere and Everywhere. late night about Bill Clinton. I mean, that, that oh, went on well, forever. Clinton, when he did the number with Monica Lewinsky, I used to do on this show mm-hmm. Monica's Diary installments. Yes, Barbara put up with it. Mm-hmm. Then she made me stop for a while because. She 
she was trying to book her. And then after she booked her, I said, can I go back to the Monica material? She said yes. Oh, there you go. All right, so she, she needed to get done what needed to get done. Yeah. Um, I, that should go in my book. Um, why am I giving you all this free material? No, it's fine. Joy's literally writing down notes for her book as we're yeah. talking. This yeah. is good. This is brainstorming. Yeah. Um, are there other moments in politics that made it tough to crack jokes? Um, I really started with Clinton, I yeah. think. How long after? Because we to have a sex scandal is such a gift to comedians. Yeah. Because it's not life or death. The two adults having their romp and you know mm-hmm. in the White House. It was it was obnoxious. How long after Lincoln was assassinated did you feel comfortable doing <laughs> going back on the road? You know, Lincoln. When I was doing stand up during the Lincoln administration, yeah. it was a little bit hard to do. Because, you know, what, what he was trying to do was keep the country together. Sure, sure. So you didn't and, want to make fun also, of him. And also, you know, he had tragedy in his family, so you don't sure. want to go after yeah, him. Yeah, but your Mary Todd material was My terrific. My Mary Todd was killer material. <laughs> How about Mrs. Woodrow Wilson? Hey. Oh, sure. Hey. Oh. <laughs> See, sometimes you let me make these and jokes. And Taft. <laughs> you know, they had to build a big bathtub for him because he was so fat. Did I you didn't know. That? Know. Taft, yeah, he was so fat that he didn't fit in the toilet, in, yeah. the, uh, in the tub. That was before he got on Ozempic. <laughs> we'll be back in a moment. Hey, I'm Andy Mitchell, a New York Times bestselling author. And I'm Sabrina Kohlberg, a morning television producer. We're moms of toddlers and best friends of 20 years. And we both love to talk about being parents, yes, but also pop culture. So we're combining our two interests by talking to celebrities, writers, and fellow scholars of TV and movies. Cinema, really. About what we all can learn from the fictional moms we love to watch. From ABC Audio and Good Morning America, Pop Culture Moms is out now wherever you listen to podcasts. As in previous campaigns, it's the economy, stupid. We'll be looking at that this morning. First, though, it's the news, stupid. It is the economy, stupid. It's not the economy, stupid. It's national security, stupid. It's the hair, stupid. In 1992, one of the best-known pieces of presidential campaign wisdom was born. It's the economy, stupid. But was it actually the economy that won Bill Clinton that election? In a new series from the 538 Politics podcast, we're taking a look back at conventional wisdom from past elections with a critical lens. Where did that wisdom come from? And does it hold up today? Find the Campaign Throwback series in the 538 Politics feed wherever you get your podcasts. People who disappear without a trace. The most notorious murder cases in New York. Pure evil. And the most devious killers. There's a Hannibal Lecter feel to him. For chilling true crime stories, follow the True Crime NYC podcast wherever you listen. The other big story of the week that's gotten written up a lot. The other co-host recently revealed that you all have a group chat that I'm included on. We know this. Sometimes you're included. Yeah. Well, by the way, that's fine. I'm only sometimes on it. But you've been pegged as the one who starts these conversations when you get fired up about something along and then Sonny kind of exit on. Mm. This is what basically from my experience when I'm on it Mm -hmm. and I'm convinced you just search for some chat and respond and have no idea who's on it when you start talking. It's just five (laughs) of us and you forget to check. And um, Alyssa was concerned that she's not on some of them. And and I think it's just whoever you can pull up. I would put Alyssa on it in a second because a lot of times it's really, it's not about us. It's about outside of us. Yes. I was trying to watch football and you're going off about Trump for 20 (laughs) minutes and I keep waiting for you to tire out. And then Sonny says something and eggs you on again for another 20 minutes. And I can get into a major thread. Yes. (laughs) 
<laughs> Today she looked like a mermaid, did she? The outfit, yeah. She was dressed like a mermaid. Your outfit material has been great. Uh, my favorite, we didn't even say it on the air, was yesterday when uh, uh, <laughs> Alyssa was wearing some sort of jumpsuit and you asked her to change the carburetor on your car or something. I forget what it was. I didn't say it on the air. No. I know. People get mad, I guess. It's hysterical. Oh, she's cares? laughing. Get who mad. Cares? Go ahead. Get yeah, mad. she's laughing. Who cares? But uh, you are you a group chat kind of person in general? I've seen you unceremoniously leave a group chat, too. I've done. I, w- I will just say I, I have to go to sleep now. Or something. Yes. Or just stop. You know, when you put that check, some, sometimes people just go on and on about something. And it's like, all right, already. Right. So you just do that check. Keep doing the check. And then they finally get the Oh, hint. that's the hint. All right. That's good to know now, moving forward. <laughs> well, not always. But right. you, have to, you, you know the difference. No, I definitely do. Yeah. I definitely do. All um, right. Yeah. No, you get, you get taken with it at odd times. I'm fine with it, except when we're on vacation. <laughs> And it's, uh, you know, this guy, Trump, what's he doing? Yeah. You're making more notes for your book right B-W now, aren't you? B.W. and Monica, I have to remember that. <laughs> <laughs> okay, to talk about her. I want a special thanks in the credits of this thing. <laughs> well, I sometimes, you. you're a prompter. Yes. You know, so that's good. That's All that's right. my job. Go ahead. Keep talking. All right. Sunny was on the podcast yesterday, and mm. she talked about the fact that she has a longstanding weekly tradition with her husband Movies and margaritas, and they've been doing this for 25 years. Oh, that's so adorable. Isn't it? Do you have anything like that with Steve? <laughs> no. No, no rituals, nothing? <laughs> no. All right. Fair you enough. know, I'm going out to lunch today. Yeah. And then I'm going to dinner with uh, my co-produ- my producers for my project. Mm-hmm. Tomorrow, I have lunch again. Steve says to me, bye. <laughs> <laughs> and I made him laugh today because I said, oh, I feel bad that I'm not taking care of my husband. He almost died laughing. <laughs> He's perfectly happy, I'm sure. He is. Yeah. No, him and his good. dog. He's him happy. And his dog. Yeah. Is it his dog or your dog? It, it, uh, he's the alpha. So if you put the Bernie in the middle of the room and you both call him. He would, him, go, to, yeah, he would he, go to him. Yeah. He only comes to me when I'm eating something. And then he stares at me. Yeah. Every move you make, I'll be watching you. That's his theme song. All right. So uh, this week on the podcast, we got a really great question asking, what is the most pivotal game-changing moment in your life? And all the hosts so far have had really deep, moving it's, responses to of this. Um, emotional. There have been tears. It's been very like touching and, and actually really helpful for the audience at so home to listen to. So something that changed your life. Yeah, something that changed your life. Um, I, my ectopic pregnancy. Oh, yeah. Because I thought I was going to be dead. Mm-hmm. Freaking doctor was out playing golf. I'm bleeding internally, screaming, help me, I'm dying. I oh, was. Gosh. Literally felt I was dying. They wheel me into the uh, OR. Doctor's not there yet. I'm saying, give me something. I'm di- I was in such pain. Okay, so that's the end of that. They saved me. I live. I'm minus a fallopian tube. It's okay. I could live without it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, like, the time would go by, and I'm thinking, is that all there is to the circus? Oh, wow. Is that all there is? I'm 40 years old, 39 or 40, and this is it. I could be dead, and I haven't done what I want to do yet. So I managed to do every single thing I wanted to do after that, including so, getting a divorce. That's really interesting because you've talked about your atopic pregnancy before, but I didn't realize it had such an impact oh. on your future. Well, first of all, I let my hair go curly. Mm-hmm. I was like Jane Fonda in Coming Home. <laughs> you, did you ever see that movie? I have, yes. So my hair went curly. Yes. And then I said, I'm, I'm doing it. I'm going to throw myself into it. And I, and I struggled a lot in the beginning. Got fired from Good Morning America, mm-hmm. same year yeah. as the uh, ectopic, and got divorced. So I had a trifecta. Get fired, no husband, no job, and no fallopian tube. Wow. <laughs> All right. And then the whole, so that doesn't happen. Your whole life is different, you think? Completely different. I wouldn't have realized how 
unfulfilled I was or how bereft I was for my thing to do. You know, I grew up in a family that laughed at all the things I said. They gave me so much confidence to be a comedian, but they never gave me an agent. It's like, get come up with the agent. <laughs> so nobody really, I was not like this kid today who called herself a, a, Nepo, a Nepo baby. baby. She yeah. had a father who was a director. Bryce Dallas Howard, I mean, yes. like the other one, Sophia, which I, good for them. I'm happy yeah. that they made a lot about for themselves, but I didn't have anything like that. Right. So I had a struggle and I did it. Wow. No, that's really interesting. Um, it, it's funny how all of you are able to so quickly pinpoint those moments oh, yeah. and, and the impact they had on you. Yeah. Um, yeah. Another one of our <laughs> devoted listeners has asked a question yeah. to you all, and I thought this was a great question for you. Um, has there ever been a time when someone has changed your opinion on a topic that you feel really strong about? You know, I do psychodrama, right? Yes. Just to, to, to that point, I'll make a better point than that, because I don't remember who changed my mind. But when you do psychodrama, mm-hmm. you reverse roles with people. Right. All right. So if I sat in your chair now and I became Brian Tedder, yes. I would have I'd start to think like you. All right. Now I have had in my years on this planet interactions with people that have been acrimonious. There was a woman in my original psychodrama group who was such a biatch. Mm-hmm. I mean, she was so awful and carrying on against people. I said to her one time. Listen, if I wasn't in this group, I would never pay, spend two minutes with you in my real life. Yeah. Which shut her up finally. She was the biggest bully, okay? Fast forward, I'm on stage at Catch a Rising Star, and she's in the front seat <laughs> laughing and clapping. And I thought to myself, she's in pain, this girl. Right. She was in pain. And I realized it. You know, people are in pain very often, and you get mad at them. And if you if you reverse roles with them, you'll see the pain, and it makes your life a lot easier and easier to get along with them. That's interesting. Um, <laughs> all right. We have a, a text message here from uh, Tamara, or Tamara, that I thought was fun. Um, as a fellow Italian-American, I know why we love movies like The Godfather and shows like The Sopranos. But why does everybody else love them? Why is the Italian culture so fascinating to everyone else? You've both been in the entertainment industry for decades. Do you have any idea why? Who's both? I think me and you. You and me. Well, you're only half. Yeah, I'm half, but I identify as Italian. My last name is Italian. Yeah. My last name is Josephine. My name is Josephine Ocuto, Victoria Ocuto. Yeah. My middle name. Mm -hmm. The Italians are very funny. I mean, I write about it. I put them in all my my plays and all my things are all about Italians and Jews. Because which there are many similarities between the cultures, I think. But Italians have a specific way of being funny and interesting. Mm -hmm. Now, the mob, the reason the mob is so interesting to people is because, as Francis Ford Coppola said, if you ever watch The Offer, Mm -hmm. that movie about the making of The Godfather, he's talking about how the they were the mob, but they were the they was a family involved there. So it's not just about hurting people. It's about being a regular person at home. Right. You know, and this. I'm sorry, I don't admire the mob. No. You know, my grandfather, Vincent, was asked to be a capo mm-hmm. when uh, that's the family lore anyway. And he, he said no. Yeah. Because he had that kind of personality that was very charismatic. Mm-hmm. And he was handsome with a big white hair, you know. And they asked him, would you like, no, 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 no. I mean, it's about family. It's almost Shakespeare a lot of times. It's, it's kind of the same. It's Shakespeare. Yeah. Instead of the kings and queens that mm-hmm. Shakespeare wrote about, it's the Vinnie Bumbats and his wife, you know? It's, it's uh, what's his name? Tony Soprano. Yeah. Who goes to therapy. 
I mean, these things are fascinating to people because they're contrasted also. You're friends with Lorraine Bracco, which is I one am. of my favorite celebrity I friends you I have. I am friends with her, yeah. Because, I mean, between Goodfellas and The Sopranos, every time I see her, I just want to yell, you know, damn Tony. it, Karen! Yeah, sorry. <laughs> so, Tony, what's the matter? Yeah. What's bothering you, Tony? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Love those shows. Yeah. Uh, but no, but it is interesting. I think you're right. It's, it's the, the theme's about family and even, you know, it's... In the micro, it's, you know, following into the family business or not. Yeah. These are still relatable things. You just don't necessarily act out I'm so glad that I was raised at a time when Italians were really Italian yeah. in this country. They've all assimilated so much now that I don't know if you can. When I write about Italians, that's a throwback mm-hmm. to the superstition. You know, my mother would say to me, make sure you sweep right or you'll marry a bald man. You mm-hmm. don't hear that every day. No, not so much. <laughs> you know? Not so much. And my, my father, he'd sit down. And instead of saying, Rosie, can you pass the salts, please, dear? He'd go, salts. <laughs> you know? Yep. Plus, we have the best food. I mean, that's really the other part of it. Well, everybody's been going to go to Italy because you have everything you need over there. You have art, you have nice people, and you have the good food. What, what, what other country has all of that? No other country. I guess France has art and food, but the people who can be very rude in France. Yeah. The French are nice when they when they like the taxi drivers and the regular people mm-hmm. are lovely. It's the uh, you know the intellectuals, and I'll tell you, a lot of those uh, high Italians also can be nasty. Sure, it's the people yes. that I grew up with. Yeah, no, I, I love it. I love it. All right, well, that's a great question. We have another question. This one is from Tom in Boston. It's an audio clue. Let's yeah. listen. Love the show. I have a question for Joy. I remember seeing a, a talk show she had on another network where it took place in her apartment. And on one of the episodes towards the end, her granite countertop just broke. What happened and who paid for it? I know that whole, what he's talking about. It was a, yeah. sh- a show called Late Night Joy. Yes. That lasted a very short time. It was on the same network as Honey Boo Boo. Executive produced by Robin Hummel, who That's works right. here with us. Yep. Robin and I, my friend Larry Amaros was involved in, we had a great time, but somebody actually broke my, granted, my, my uh, Carrera. They oh. dropped something on it. And then um, insurance paid for it. But thank you for caring. <laughs> Well, no, that's a, you, you were doing the show in someone's kitchen. In my kitchen. In your kitchen. In my house. Yes, and they, they shattered the, the They thing. broke the Carrera. Yeah. You know, the, the marble. In the moment, was this traumatic? Were you very upset? No, you... I, you know, I don't care about objects. Was Steve angry? No, I don't care about objects. He doesn't either. I only care if you hurt me. Okay. My, my loved ones. I don't care about my product. <laughs> well, <laughs> you're more evolved than most. Yeah. All right. Thank you for joining me, Joy. Tomorrow, I'll be back with Alyssa. The number to call or text us with questions is right here in the episode description. Thank you for listening. Please rate, review, follow, and let us know what you think. Goodbye. As in previous campaigns, it's the economy, stupid. We'll be looking at that this morning. First, though, it's the news, stupid. It is the economy, stupid. It's not the economy, stupid. It's national security, stupid. It's the hair, stupid. In 1992, one of the best-known pieces of presidential campaign wisdom was born. It's the economy, stupid. But was it actually the economy that won Bill Clinton that election? In a new series from the 538 Politics podcast, we're taking a look back at conventional wisdom from past elections with a critical lens. Where did that wisdom come from, and does it hold up today? Find the Campaign Throwback series in the 538 Politics feed wherever you get your podcasts.